Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes PG-13. Peace comes when there is no cloud between us and God. Charles H. Brent You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, portable insight, and engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are combined. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's show is entitled The Prince of Peace. And we're looking at this subject of peace because I know what it's like to be on the other side. Uh, I, before I knew anything about the Lord, I lived a life that was full of turmoil, uh, drug abuse, uh, alcohol addiction, fighting, trouble with the law. And one of the first things that I really noticed when I finally did turn my life over to God was an overwhelming sense of peace. I used to be one of those people that couldn't sleep at night. I would wake up at night for long periods of time where I just would you know, sit there and smoke or watch TV, uh, read, you know, contemplate my life. And God began to speak to me and he changed my life. Uh, he brought in something that was missing and that was peace, a sense of rest, a sense of security and purpose in life. Uh, and that's what God delivers. Is my life perfect? No. Am I trying to paint a, a rosy picture of everything? No, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Things are not always perfect in my life. I'm not always, you know, so inspirational and motivational, but, but that's life. You go through the ups and downs. Uh, but the main thing that I remember is I have a path and I have a purpose and I'm pursuing God and his perfection and his holiness. And he is guiding me down that path closer to him. Let's get into our first story today. This is Lori's story. She was a new age believer and she followed that faith out west in California, but it never seemed to deliver what she was looking for uh, until one day she truly found the Prince of Peace. One night several years ago, I laid in my bed trying to fall asleep, but I felt such a hopelessness and a grief to a degree I couldn't handle. All the years of my circumstance had caught up with me and all of my failures weighing heavy on my mind and racked my body with anxiety. First and most painful was my rocky childhood of not getting along with my family and how it continued to be strained through all of my adult life. Secondly, there was my failed Hollywood acting dream and with that gone and me back in my hometown again, I had no plans for an exciting or meaningful future. There was the downward spiraling experience of becoming a part of the New Age faith while out in LA. How it messed with my thinking and brought a darkness into my life that I couldn't shake even after leaving its false teachings. There was my divorce that had broken my heart, turned me sour against love, followed by a string of boyfriends that really didn't treat me much better than my husband. There was the abortion I had in my early 20s now it just caused me guilt and sorrow over what I had done to my baby. I didn't want anything in life that hadn't already rejected me and in some cases rejected me over and over again. With every area of my life just feeling hopeless, I prayed an extra prayer that night because I didn't know what else to do. I prayed a prayer of desperation. God, please help me. You just have to help me. I can't take this stress anymore. Everything always turns out so horribly. I have no hope. 
left in my life. The very second I finished my pleading prayer, these words just came into my mind. I will take the spirit of trouble from you, but you must put me first in your life. I heard the words, but wasn't sure who said that to me until just this wave of peace swept over my body and completely delivered me from the anxiety that had been consuming me. And immediately after that, I felt love, pure love, come pouring into me. And in that moment, I knew it was Jesus. He had heard my desperate prayer, and he was actually answering it. I had grown up learning the Bible stories, and I had been taught all about the love and miracles of Jesus. There was one more thing Jesus conveyed to me, just as I lay basking in his amazing love, and that was that the Bible is 100% true. As soon as Jesus revealed this to me, I felt convicted. I knew that my life had gone repeatedly wrong because I had never read or obeyed the Bible. The next morning, I awoke with a joy and a hope that I had never had before and I immediately told God that he would be number one in my life because I wanted to keep what I had been given, a new lease on life. Our next story is from Darcy. Like most young people, she was struggling to find out who she was and where she was going in life. It didn't help that she came from an abusive environment. Uh, Poverty, abuse, neglect, those were all commonplace in her life. She had a friend who was a Christian who was unlike anyone she'd ever met before. This Christian took her to church, loved her, and she saw that family life can be much different than what she was used to. Let's listen into Darcy's story now. I met God for the first time in a tiny room at a quaint little church. I had never attended there before. As I closed my eyes to sincerely pray for the first time, unexpectedly I didn't feel like I was in that small room anymore. I was consumed and surrounded by God's presence, amazing grace, forgiveness, and unconditional love. I felt like I was talking to Him face to face, that I was before His throne in heaven. I felt protected and safe. I had never felt that unexplainable feeling before at that moment. I knew he was listening and I could sense the party that was going on in heaven as I accepted the invitation and made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. I walked out of those church doors that weekend with weights of burdens, worry, fear, and doubt lifted. I really was changed from the inside out. But before this ever happened, my life wasn't so easy. I was searching for healing, love, and meaning. In search of something bigger, I now see I was in search of God. I never really grew up in a Christian home. My family believed in God, but they didn't live for Him. I would jump back and forth, living with my mom and dad at times, and then my aunt and uncle too. As I was shipped from home to home, I was sexually abused by more than one person and physically abused by my dad. I was nine when I went to live with my aunt and uncle permanently. My aunt taught me how to pray, and I am so thankful for all my aunt and uncle did and continue to do. But somehow I felt like it wasn't enough. I became stubborn and rebellious at the age of 13, and I went back to live with my mom. It wasn't easy going back and living with my mom. She drank a lot and hardly was ever home. We lived in a motel and hotel rooms and various other places that we kept getting kicked out of. I had to take care of my younger sister and brother and learn to do the basics like cooking, cleaning, running the home as best I could. We grew up poor. We had no running water and would have to carry jugs of water back from the runoff. We had no heat except the heat from the wood stove we owned. Sometimes we hardly had any food and I saw my younger sister and brother beg for food. 
At this time in my life, I met my best friend. She had great faith in Jesus. You could tell she just really loved him. It was real too. Her family really lived for God. She wouldn't push her faith on me, but she would invite me to go to church, to church activities, and she was excited to answer all my questions about Christianity. My best friend and the horrifying experiences from my past drew me closer to seeking Jesus. I went to a sexual purity weekend event at her church. There I learned how special and unique my body is and how much I am worth. This really brought out what was hiding deep inside of me for many years. I finally understood more about the sexual abuse I had suffered, why I was created the way I was. I also learned that my virginity, that I had been struggling to save, and could have been forced to give away, was not only special to me but to Jesus and my future husband. I honestly didn't feel like I was worth much due to the abuse I had experienced and the way I had to live, but I learned that I was worth more than what I felt because of Jesus' sacrifice. I couldn't hold back the tears. I was convicted as the Holy Spirit worked inside of me. My friend took me to a small room and helped me to confess my sins to Jesus. Then she helped me to ask for his forgiveness and accept that he died for me. This was that moment I mentioned earlier. It was an incredible experience. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and was really excited about the changes. Nothing could take my new faith away. I liked the knowledge and feeling of having a savior. I was filled to the top with everything I needed. I felt completed. Despite all these great feelings, it didn't change the home life I went back to, my old habits, my selfish ways, or how my family decided to live. I also was struggling to understand the grace and forgiveness of Jesus in dealing with a habitual sin. Then an amazing thing happened as I prayed about this struggle and sin. God gave me this vision, like a daydream sort of. It helped me to understand what really happened at the cross. I found myself in the crowd watching Jesus carry his cross to the crucifixion. He was bloody, beaten, and pain was written on his face. He could hardly stand up. Then he looks at me. And I want to go tell him, I'm sorry, but my feet won't move. My mind then takes me to the foot of the cross. I'm there alone and I'm praying. I hear a deep, soothing, calm voice. I look up and I'm staring into Jesus' fiery orange eyes. He said to me, it's okay, I'm here. Then there is this complete silence and I'm showered in protection. I fall into his mighty arms and I am loved. It was an awesome experience. For years I battled depression, suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts, and cutting. As I have become closer to Jesus, I learned to trust Him. He set me free from the suicidal thoughts and I completely gave up cutting. I thank Him every day for letting me survive those times that I was so close to death. I learned to turn to Him and use the weapons He has given me to fight many temptations like cutting. I have learned so much about who I was and who I am becoming. I continue to learn more about Jesus and what he has done for me every day, too. I see progress most of the time in my attitude, behavior, and thoughts. I see change sometimes in myself because of the work of the Holy Spirit, and then other times I get stuck and need to figure out what is holding me back from moving forward. I am very thankful for the family of God I have. Also, the support, guidance, advice, and help they have shown me. I am learning and growing into living every day for the Lord. It is my hope and prayer that my life now will make our God smile. And Jude 21 says, Await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. I like the story called Perfect Peace. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. 
The king looked at all the pictures, but there was only two that he really liked, and he had to choose between them. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror of peaceful towering mountains that were all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. Everyone who saw this picture thought that it was a perfect picture of peace. The other picture had mountains too, but these were rugged and bare. Above them, an angry sky, which rain fell and lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a violent, foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There, in the midst of the rush of the angry water, sat the mother bird on her nest. Perfect peace. The king chose the second picture. The king explained, because peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. In John 16:33, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast, thinktwicetv.com. Clear thoughts produce clear results. Learn the basics of the faith. Download our free mini book. It includes the ABCs with God, true and false with the Bible, and much more. To get the mini book free, go to thinktwicetv.com and click on mini book or contact us with your mailing address and we'll mail you a copy. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. It's time for the absolute basics of the Christian faith from Seedbed.com. Answering those burning questions like who is God, what is salvation, and many more. So, let's take a bite. The absolute basics of the Christian faith. What is salvation? So God's motivation is love, and his goal is to make us family again. But there's a problem. We haven't seen the way that God accomplishes his goal. Because of our disobedience, we're left with disrupted relationship and death. We can't have right relationship with God forever because of sin and sin's consequences are an obstacle. So how does God remove this boulder from the path back to him? We can think about it a little bit like this. God's motivation is love. God's goal is making us family again, and God's way of dealing with disrupted relationship and death is through Jesus' death and resurrection. There are two main ways of understanding what Jesus did to save us. Reconciliation and rescue. Reconciliation means restoring relationship. Rescue means saving us from danger. And Jesus did both. He reconciled us back to God, and he rescued us from evil and death. So how did he do that? Well, when there's a rift in a relationship, you often have to offer something to make peace. Maybe it's just an apology, or maybe it's a note or a gift. Imagine you went to a friend's house for Thanksgiving dinner, and all the food was laid out on the table, the turkey and the stuffing and the gravy and all the sides and the desserts, and you decide to try out for the first time a magic trick. You're going to try and pull the tablecloth out from under all the food in one swoop, and everybody says, don't do it. But you do it anyway, and, as you might expect, all the food tumbles down onto the floor. The turkey and the gravy and the mashed potatoes are all ruined. Now in this case, you really would have messed up. 
So you'd need to make it up to your friend that cooked the dinner. And the best way to do that would be for you to cook a Thanksgiving meal at your own house and invite everyone over. But what if you can't cook? And what if you don't have anything to offer to make it up to your friend? Well, that's a little bit like what our situation was with God. We had disobeyed God's law, but didn't have anything to offer God to make it up to him. So Jesus came and offered a sacrifice to God on our behalf. Jesus made it up to the Father by giving himself as a perfect offering. And this is what happens on the cross. Jesus sacrificed himself to pay, once and for all, the penalty for our disobedience. He took our place, took our punishment, and offered himself to the Father. And this took care of the disrupted relationship. But it didn't solve the punishment for sin, which was death. Jesus' resurrection is what solves this problem. Jesus was killed and then came back to life as the first example of what will happen to us as well. Jesus shows us that death isn't the end of the story. God's goal was to have us part of his family, and that goal can't be defeated by death because we will be resurrected just like Jesus. The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith from Seedbed.com You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Find original videos, true life stories, and content to help you grow your faith at thinktwicetv.com. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. There once lived not far from the Indus River a Persian farmer by the name of Ali Hafed. Ali Hafed owned a large farm with orchards, grain fields, and gardens. He was a wealthy, contented man, contented because he was wealthy, and wealthy because he was contented. One day, Ali Hafed was visited by a wise man from the east. He sat by the fire and told Ali Hafed about diamonds. Said the wise man, a diamond is a congealed drop of sunlight. It is pure carbon, an actual deposit of energy from the sun. He declared diamonds are the highest of God's mineral creations. And if Ali Hafed had one diamond the size of his thumb, he could purchase the whole country. If he had a mine of diamonds, he could place his children upon the thrones of countries throughout the world. Ali Hafed went to bed that night a poor man. Poor because he was discontented and discontented because he was poor. I want a mine of diamonds, he said to himself as he lay awake all night. Early in the morning, he sought the wise man, shaking him out of his dreams. He asked, will you tell me where I can find diamonds? Diamonds, exclaimed the sage. What do you want with diamonds? I want to be immensely rich, replied Ali Hafed. Well, then go along and find them. That's all you have to do. Go along and find them. But I don't know where to go. Well, said the sage, if you look for a river that runs over white sand between high mountains in those sands, you will always find diamonds. I don't believe there is any such river. Of course there is. There are plenty of them, said the sage. All you have to do is go and find them. I will go, declared Ali Hafed. He sold his farm, left his family in the charge of a neighbor, and went off in search of diamonds. 
Beginning at the mountains of Persia, he came around to Palestine and then wandered into Europe. At last, when his money was all spent and he was in rags, hopelessly wretched and poverty-stricken, he stood on the Bay of Barcelona and watched the waves come rolling in. Then the poor, afflicted, suffering man cast himself into the oncoming tide and sank beneath its foaming waves, never to rise again in this life. One day the man who had purchased Ali Hafid's farm led his camel into the garden for a drink. As the camel put his nose in the clear water of the garden brook, he noticed a curious flash of light from the white sands of the shallow stream. Reaching into the water, he pulled out a black pebble having an eye of light that reflected all the colors of the rainbow. It was a diamond. Thus was discovered the famous diamond mine of Golconda, the most magnificent mine in the history of the world. Had Ali Hafed remained at home, had he dug in his garden, his cellar, and his wheat fields, he would have had acres of diamonds. For every acre, every shovelful of that farm revealed gems that have decorated the crowns of monarchs. Why is it we fail to realize the riches we have and restlessly seek satisfaction someplace else? God has made available to us great wealth, acres of diamonds at our fingertips, in our family, our church, in our relationship with Him. Hebrews 11 says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But what is the reward? Is it not Him? If we seek Him, we find Him. What is it you seek? Do you seek righteousness? Jesus is righteousness and sanctification. Do you seek wisdom? His name is Jesus. Do you desire peace? Jesus Christ is peace. Do you want truth? That's what Jesus is. Do you seek power? Jesus Christ is the power of God. He is the embodiment of all that God desires to give his children. May we therefore stop seeking things and lay hold of the real thing, Jesus. If you need peace in your life today, would you take that first step? For me, it took a step of praying and reading the Bible. I didn't know what I was doing or where I was going, but I knew I needed a change. God says he will not despise a humble and contrite heart. Meaning if we come to him sincerely, honestly, and humbly, he'll be there and he'll show you who he really is. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you listening today. If you could share this podcast with someone or go ahead and stop by our Facebook page at Media Messengers Evangelistic Association, click that like button. Also, if you're on iTunes, please click the subscribe button. And uh, if you could really write us a review, that helps us to reach more people. We're also online at youtube.com backslash media messengers. Go ahead and subscribe there. You can also see a lot more of our videos and testimonies at that location. The next episode of the Think Twice TV podcast is entitled Southern Grace, Lives Changed from the Bible Belt. Hey, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. This venture is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association, revealing the love and power of God through media, www.mediamessengers.org. If you like the show, follow us on social media, and please help us reach more people. All our social links are in the show notes. 
while all our stories are true, some of them have been read by voice actors.